0: We're looking at not just what we believe, but why we believe it. Why do you believe what you believe? And we're looking at uh, kind of some hard issues at times. And I want you to know this. Christianity invites you to explore. Christianity invites you to think. Christianity can hold up to scrutiny. The Bible can. Jesus can. And we're inviting you to do that. And Christianity not only invites you to think and to explore, but also invites you to believe. And I believe along the way, you find enough evidence of things, then the next thing to do is to take that step of faith. It's a short leap. It's not even risky. And and that step of faith to go ahead and believe. And when you believe, that is where the the power and the joy really uh, come in the whole whole process. Faith and reason, I'm very intentional about that name because it involves faith and reason. It involves your heart and it involves your head. And if you have an honest heart, and if you have an open mind, uh, it's amazing what you'll be able to see and eventually to embrace. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And it says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and with respect. Today, I want to talk about the reliability of the Bible. So I invite you with me to explore with an honest heart and with an open mind, and let's talk about the reliability of the Bible. Some would say that the Bible is a human and fallible book, and I want to say up front that you will find, though, that it is actually not a human book, and it is actually infallible. Um, The Bible, though, does not need me or anybody else to defend it. Charles Spurgeon said this, and I love this quote. He said, Scripture is like a lion. Whoever heard of defending a lion? Just turn it loose, and it will defend itself. So this morning I want to present to you some things for us to consider and some thoughts as we look at the reliability of the Bible. A big question that comes sometimes is people say, well, if there's one Bible and if it's true, why are there so many translations? I personally use a lot of translations and I'm, I'm kind of guided and intentional in doing that. And the reason is it helps me to understand truths in a flow of language and an understanding so that it's not so wooden or complex or distant. And so translations help us to do that. What a translation is, is it it brings from another language, which the Bible is written in other languages, and I'll explain that in a moment, it brings it into English. It brings it into, for for our purposes, for English. Um, The Bible was written basically in two different languages. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew and the New Testament was written in Greek. And so these languages are difficult for us. They're very, very rich languages. And so we need good translation to bring them into to our language. Teams of scholars work to translate and bring the meaning out of those original languages into, you know, our current everyday, everyday language. And that's the, that's the truth with any book that we have. And we have plenty in our culture today that were originally written in another language and have been translated and, and brought to us. So, we need translations to bring it for our purposes into English. And modern English, modern language is a moving target. Don't believe me, I'll show you. First off, bear with me as we look at a few words. Wicked. Wicked used to mean evil. Now it means good. Like really good. Like that running back made a wicked cut. Cool. Cool used to mean some degree of cold. Now it just means cool. <laughs> Coke. Coke was a drink. How many of you have said soda or pop, okay? And now it's a horrible drug. Here's one booty. This used to mean stolen treasures that pirates would hide. Now it's something you shake. Here's one, spam. Spam means spare parts and meat. I actually love spam, truly. Spam used to be something that you eat. Now it's something you delete. From your email next word email i mean what on earth is email if i told my grandmothers that have gone on to heaven about email here's another word gay used to mean happy and carefree the flintstones theme we'll have a gay old time that meaning has changed and then with the advent of social media here's some other words new meanings troll post, hack, friend, liked, mentioned, and it goes on and on and on. Modern language is a moving target. So we have to bring things forward so that we can understand in the, in the culture of today, you know, what does it mean now? The King James Version, which I love the King James Version. I grew up once, once um, our family got saved began to learn the King James Version. I love the richness of the language. I love the, the rhythm and the poetry of it. However, it is lost on most people today. We have words that are from the 1600s. So you take, you take and translate out of the Greek and Hebrew and move that forward into the language of that day in the 1600s, a lot has changed. The, thou, rent. Do you know what rent meant then? It meant to tear, um, Suffer. Jesus said, suffer the little children. It meant to allow them. Um, waxeth. If you waxeth old, that's even hard to say. <laughs> You're becoming old. And so we have, and thankfully we have, newer translations that help us to bring from the original meaning, to bring it and put it into the language of today. I, I love to use the New King James Version, the New International Version, the English Standard Version, the New Living Translation. I also use the Amplified Bible. And then I use the Message as a paraphrase. And what it does, it helps you to kind of climb the mountain from some different uh, angles and be able to see the, the truth. And we have scholarly uh, translations that can be trusted. The Bible is unlike any book ever. It has, there have been 7 billion Bibles in print. Uh, second place to the Bible, 7 billion of the Bible, second place with 900 million, 7 billion is a lot more than 900 million. Second place in print is Mao Tung's little red book in China. And the reason there are so many of those is because it was required by law under punishment. If you did not own one. Plus, every year, an incredible number of books written about the Bible, lexicons, commentaries, Bible studies. Around the globe, people are risking and even giving their lives just so they can own the Bible, read the Bible, study the Bible. The Bible's been translated into virtually every language on this planet, almost 2,300 languages. And even secular scholars study the language, the beauty, the genres, the simplicity, the complexity, the continuity, and the power of the Bible. There's no other book like the Bible. The question is how can we know that the Bible hasn't been altered through the centuries? First of all, because of the vast collection of manuscripts. Secondly, the age of the manuscripts. And thirdly, the accuracy of the manuscripts. That more than twenty-four thousand early whole or partial manuscripts of the of the Bible exist. That's almost a hundred times more ancient manuscripts than the next most commonly copied ancient written work, the works of Plato and Caesar. Not Plato, Plato or Caesar. And so over a hundred times more, we have books that are generally accepted as credible and reliable that have been translated ancient written works. And the Bible has over a hundred times more, uh, in the ancient manuscripts. Here's a question. What if the scribes didn't copy it accurately? Well, scholars report that any differences are remarkably infinitesimal. They're small punctuation issues, one word issues, no discrepancies regarding any of the doctrine of faith. No one truth has been called into question. God has preserved his word with amazing accuracy. In 1948, in, in Israel, in the Holy Land, the Dead Sea Scrolls were, were discovered. There were some shepherds, literally shepherds in 1948 that were out and a shepherd boy threw a rock up into an opening on a cliff and he heard something break. It sounded like a jar. They began to explore and before you know it, archaeologists were invited to come in. Eleven caves were discovered and within and right near the Dead Sea, those caves contained, they were, they were hidden. They believe that early believers tucked them away around AD 70 when Jerusalem was being overthrown keep to preserve them. And so they found these jars uh, that contained these ancient manuscripts and scrolls. Among those was a complete copy of the book of Isaiah. It turned out to be a 1,000 years older than the previous oldest copy manuscript that we had of Isaiah. Here, here's the incredible thing. In over a 1,000 years of copying and recopying, there was only one word different. And that speaks to his accuracy. That one word that was questioned was in Isaiah 53. And it ended up making no difference in the actual meaning or truth. In Isaiah 53, and let me read this passage, a powerful passage. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. One of the most powerful prophecies of Jesus in the entire uh, word of God. And uh, this also points out that the fact that Christians did not go back and add Christ into the Old Testament. He was there all along. God has preserved his word with amazing accuracy. Look with me in Luke chapter 21, verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And then archaeological proofs galore. But there are actual places and real people that have been verified. Archaeologists have discovered King Solomon's seal, King David's name in stone, uh, a bull Uh, idol that the Canaanites worship, the city of Sodom, Gomorrah, and and several other cities that were burned in such a way that Scripture uh, uh, describes them as being covered with ash. And they've actually found them covered with ash. The Galilee boat. There was a drought in Israel in the Middle East in the 1980s. And on the shore of the Galilee Sea, some people discovered something and what they discovered were the bones of what is now referred to as the Galilee boat. Skeptics prior to that said there were no boats because, you know, in Scripture it talked about Jesus and the disciples in the boat. And they said there were no boats on the Sea of Galilee that could hold 12 people. Well, in 1980, through archaeological discovery, they found the Galilee boat and it actually would hold 15 which silenced the critics. Also found Caiaphas' burial box, Pontius Pilate's inscriptions, and on and on and on. William Albright, one of the foremost archaeologists and a former unbeliever, did you get that? Former unbeliever, said this, the excessive skepticism shown toward the Bible by influential historical schools of the 18th and 19th centuries have been progressively discredited. Discovery after discovery has established the accuracy of innumerable details and has brought increased recognition to the Bible as a valuable source of history. Israel, the land itself, is a very small nation. And of that small nation, only about 1% of the available land has actually been studied archaeologically. Yet almost every single significant historical figure in the Bible has already been confirmed by archaeological and empirical data. Archaeologists' focus is only mounting, they're increasing to find, and not only have the Bible claims, the Bible's claims been supported through archaeological research, there has never been an archaeological discovery that has ever refuted a single biblical claim. The Bible bats a thousand when it comes to archaeology. Listen, the Bible is not a human document, it's a supernatural book. People say the Bible is full of contradictions. I've had people say that to me over the years, and this is what I say back to them Name one. Name one, because typically they can't. Typically, they're parroting or echoing somebody who has also not read the Bible from cover to cover, the Bible is incredibly consistent. Challenge people. Don't back off and don't get all defensive. Don't go, say it again. You know, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. And don't say, well, I just believe it. Don't clam up. You don't have to. You don't even have to have all the answers with you. All you just have to say is, is no, there are no contradictions. Give me some time And if you allow the time, do the research and keep it in context, there is nothing that will be found to be a contradiction. The Bible can withstand scrutiny and there are not contradictions in the word of God. With study and context, you'll find an explanation every time. Often what is perceived to be a contradiction is actually a completion or an update. For example, in the Old Testament, we hear about an eye for an eye. Uh, in the new Testament it says to turn the other cheek. Well, this is one of the biggest quote contradictions that people bring up. What well, it says an eye for an eye, and then it says, turn the cheek. Well, what it actually is, is, is a completion and an update in Matthew chapter five. Jesus said, you have heard it said, if you just read the book, you'll see it. You have heard it said an eye for an eye, but I say to you, you have heard it said, but I say to you, turn the other cheek. And what Jesus is doing, he's contrasting things that would bring civic uh, and civil order as opposed to what he wants his followers, how he wants them to handle interpersonal relationships and conflicts. So you've heard it said, but I say to you, it's just a completion of it. It's just an update of that. The Bible stands unified and true. The other thing that you can do when someone would present a contradiction or if you think you see a contradiction here's something you can do you can google chrome bing or yahoo and we could add that to the list of words okay of our ever-changing language and what you'll be able to do is you can put that in there and within seconds unless you're on dial-up add that to the list too Within seconds, you're going to have multiple answers that you can peruse through. And given the time, given the research, put it in context, you're going to see that there are no, no contradictions. The Bible is a supernatural book. It invites scrutiny. It invites examination. It dares us to trust it. Look at me. You don't have to check your mind at the door to believe God's word the Bible will not only satisfy intellectual integrity, it will also change any wrong thinking that you have in your life once you embrace it. The Bible, written by 40 different authors, written over 2,000 years, including farmers, kings, shepherds, wise men, and fishermen. And guess what? And they all agree. It all flows together. God was guiding their hands. Many writers, but one mind and one author behind it all. In 2 Timothy chapter two, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. It's God's word, so don't, don't just read it. Let it speak to you. The Bible is bread, meat, milk, fire, life, light, a sword, a hammer. It's God's word. It's God speaking to you. It's life-giving. It's life-changing. It's the main way that God wants to reveal himself to you. And don't miss this. The devil desperately wants to keep you away from it. Look with me in Psalm 19. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving or refreshing the soul Anybody here could use some refreshing in your soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Anybody here could use a little wisdom in your life. Verse 8, the commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. Anybody here could use some joy in your heart. The commandments of the Lord are clear, giving insight, come on, giving insight for living. Verse 9, reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. I believe the Bible is the reliable... Inspired, infallible, inerrant, eternal, authoritative, life giving Word of God. I live by the light of God's Word. I rise early every day so that the first thing that I do is have my daily intake of and exposure to God's Word. It has never failed me, it has never led me astray. Oh, I've failed and I've gone astray before, but it has never failed me. It has never led me astray. It feeds my soul. It feeds my spirit. It brings me comfort. It brings me joy. It brings me guidance. Yes, it yes. gives me wisdom. It helps me to see where to go and it gives me peace and it gives me courage for this life. And it gives and it reveals to us the overarching plan that God has for all mankind And when when you begin to see that, it will greatly reduce your panic on a day-to-day basis. And most of all, most of all, it reveals to me that God loves me. And that God loves all mankind. So if God's word is reliable, and I believe with every fiber of my being that God's word is reliable and true, If it is reliable Then you and I can no longer avoid it We can't ignore it We can't duck from it Nor can we pick and choose What we will obey from It is the word of the Lord Stop editing it Stop avoiding it Bend your knee And embrace God's living life-giving word As you do so With an honest heart and with an open mind, it will change you. It will change everything about you. It will be more important to you than your daily bread. It will feed you and help you and guide you in ways that you cannot find on this planet. This is a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And Jesus said, if you drink of the water that I will give you, you will never thirst again. My prayer for you is that you will embrace God's word. I don't care if you've been a believer since you were two. Embrace God's word like you never have before. And if you've been skeptical and you've just held back, I challenge you with an honest heart and an open mind to go ahead and start to read God's word. And as I said earlier, don't just read it. Let it speak to you, and you will never be the same again.